he seems to have a genuinely good sense of humor, honestly, from what I've seen in interviews and stuff. I mean, well, I mean, you got to. I mean, like, listen to, listen to that man's music. He made a song about areolas. Like, <laughs> how do you true. not have a sense of humor and get a song about areolas? <laughs> okay. So the way she used it, I almost want that to be a thing, man. Like, it's like the female version of, like, get off my dick. It's like, get yeah. a areola. Get off yeah, my get nuts. My get off my ass. Get off. Like, just get off me. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a great way to put it, man. Oh, that's great. Thank you for showing me that. You're welcome. You're welcome. The more so that, rappers that, need to talk about areolas in their music is what we're trying to say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to After Listen, the music discovery and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Terry O. And I'm Brandon Lee. And today we're going to take a deep dive into Kansas City's own Tech Nine, aka Tech Nine, Tech Nina, Tekka, all of them aliases. Um, as always, you can check the show notes for song links. And before we get started into today's deep dive, we don't have any um, artist recommendations because this is going to be all about Tech Nine and his uh, illustrious career. But we do have to offer some disclaimers. Number one, we respect everyone's opinion, regardless of how wrong or awful it may be. Number two, this episode may feature explicit lyrics, depending on where we go with Technina. So you haven't warned. And number three, we're just talking about the music. We don't care about their real-life issues and how it impacts you personally. So we're just talking about the music and their career and where it takes us. Who knows? All right, let's get into it. Brandon Lee, it's all you, buddy. Okay, so Aaron Dantes Yates, as he was given whenever he was born in 11-8-71, which is, I didn't realize this, but that's one day after my birthday. My birthday is a day before his, I guess, is the correct way to put that, which is kind of cool. But yeah, like like Terrio alluded to in the intro, uh, he's known... With under a couple different names, of course, Tech Nine, Tech Anina, just Tech, Tech Nine. It's one of the things he likes to do at his shows. <laughs> um, yeah, he's one of my like all-time favorite artists. I believe I've talked about this. I know I've talked about it with you personally, but I believe I talked about this on one of our earlier episodes where he was really, you know, one of the foundational blocks for my love of hip hop today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to, I believe it was Caribou Lou, probably around like. Um, Probably right around like 06, 07, like right whenever it came out. And my sister had it burnt on a CD with just a bunch of other random songs from different artists. And I like stole that from her. And it'd be like late at night. I'd be in the corner of my room, like the lights off with my little big stereo system I had. And I'd be playing it like just barely with like my ear pressed to the speaker so I could like hear it right when my parents wouldn't hear me. Yeah, just he's been a huge part of my my hip hop listening pretty much my whole life. Um, So just off the top, just going to give some of his credentials, right? So he has to date. Two gold albums, five platinum singles, one of which is as a featured artist, and three gold singles as well. He has 23 studio albums, three compilation albums, nine EPs and counting, and according to Wikipedia, 409 guest appearances. Good Lord. Which is a lot. Yeah. So my thing with Tech 9 I've always seen him in passing, but I've never really listened to any of his music. So I've always kind of known about him tangentially. Like it was like, Oh, featuring tech nine. I was like, okay, I've seen this name, but it kind of put me off a little bit looking at some of his, you know, artwork and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I really didn't know what to think of who he was, but I mean, I respected his talent 
but it was like one of those artists you kind of see, at least at, at the time for me, um, without listening to his music prior to this. I'll recognize the name, like, okay, that looks familiar. I remember seeing this person, but I had no idea of who he was, where he came from, all that stuff. Those are all very good points. We're definitely uh, here pretty soon. I'm going to talk about his, especially like early on in his career, his image that he kind of cultivated and how that affected how people viewed him, just like at large. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, he's definitely known, I think, a lot of people that like don't, haven't really like listened to his his actual stuff, um, just because he's been featured on such a wealth of different songs uh, with, I mean, from like smaller up and coming no-name artists to huge megastars, right? And everything in between. Yeah, it's definitely a big part of how, or where most people have probably heard of him. If, if they like haven't listened to his stuff is from, you know, some, their favorite artist featured him on a track somewhere and he... As Tech Nine does, he probably killed it, and oh, yeah, yeah kind of. You're like, oh, who is this guy? Right. Um, he also has, I believe, he still claims his title as the most successful independent hip hop artist, uh, just as far as like sales, like all time sales and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna start with kind of just going through his uh, his discography here. So early on, like the early '90s, he was living with QD3. Who I'm sure, I assume you're probably familiar with QD3. Uh, vaguely. So I heard that in, in one of his songs, like, you know, QD3 did the beat. I was like, I know I've heard of this name somewhere before. So he wasn't like a huge, a huge, huge producer or anything, but he, he worked a lot with like Tupac and Death Row. Um, okay. Yeah, like strictly for my N I G G A Z. Okay. I, I have to spell that out because I'm not allowed to say it. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so he worked on that. So a lot of people don't know this, but Tech 9 actually did a verse with Tupac because he was living with QD3. And while QD3 was working on that album, Tupac recorded Thugs Get Lonely 2, mm-hmm. which, um, if you don't know, it was part of a posthumous like compilation album that was released in like 2004 or five. I think. Eminem produced it. So he originally, like back in like 93 or 4 or whatever, recorded a verse for this song. Mm-hmm. Um but whenever it was re-released for the, the posthumous compilation, Eminem helped produce it and like edit it and everything and instead featured Nate Dogg. Um, yeah. So in in um in one of your um in one of the songs he mentioned that that they did mm-hmm. the song with Tupac. So I was like, okay, I didn't want to, you know, spoil anything. I said, but that I had to go find. So I actually did try to find it and I did find a very bad audio quality that was the only reason i didn't include it It was because i found just like a single terrible audio quality and i didn't uh, yeah it was one of those things where like man yeah but i had to hear it because like curiosity really got to me on that one so i was like okay i gotta hear this this version because i heard the version with nate dog and i was just like hold up and and the thing about those posthumous i'm about to butcher this word post humorous albums or whatever posthumous there we go um it's always there's always like very various different versions of that song. Um, mm-hmm. I know Biggie has like about three or four different versions of the same song or verses from different songs chopped up into making a whole another song entirely. Um, so I heard the Nate Dogg version, but then I was like, okay, I want to hear the tech version. So I did found a crappy tech version, and man, I really wish that came out. Yeah, it was it was never officially released. So that's probably why I assume there's no good. Mm-hmm. quality version online um <clears throat> he was also in the anthem uh cypher 
that was the one that I removed from the features playlist originally. You okay. said you really liked, mm-hmm. just because I, the only reason, the main reason I removed that one, was because he had. I mean, he, it's a really cool. I mean, you got a lot of like old school, or not really old school. You got a lot of like big name still today rap artists doing a cipher like back whenever they were like kind of early on in their careers, which is really dope. Mm-hmm. But he only has like the one small verse, and there's like eight other dudes rapping. So I was like, ah, it's really yeah. cool, but it kind of you know takes away from what i was trying to go for in the thing yeah yeah but yeah so he definitely had like even early on was already kind of um like making these connections within the industry like i did say he was he was really good friends with qd3 seemed to be uh, from what i've heard in interviews and stuff he seems to have lived with him for at least a short amount of time if not for a couple years or something um qd3 also helped produce several like pretty much a lot or maybe not maybe like half or so of like the first and third albums that he came out with. The other main producer was Don Juan and Don Juan pretty much did the entirety of the second, his second album, the worst. So I I do these, these first three albums of his, I've kind of dubbed like pre strange music Uh with the uh, caveat that angelic, which was his third album is, is kind of sort of, it kind of, where is the line between pre-strange music, strange music? Mm-hmm. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, so the first album, The Calm Before the Storm, just a couple of kind of cool points about the, the album and the songs on it. Um, the song Questions, which is one of the songs I shared with you on the playlist, mm-hmm. like was, yeah, it's the only non-Death Row artist song that was in the soundtrack for the film Gang Related. Okay. Which was kind of like, I guess, was like his big like first breakout, right? That kind of like mm-hmm. gave him a little bit of a little bit of fame and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that's how like back in the day, like um, a lot of upper comma artists got their big break through movie soundtracks. Um, so like like the A and R people would push out like a song or two from some unnamed artists, and then if it takes off, you know, that's that's a good way. I used to love movie soundtracks because you find some really rare cuts. From collaborations with certain artists and stuff on movies. I will say I've never I've never seen gang related. I don't believe um, mm-hmm. if I have, I've probably just caught like bits and pieces of it in passing or something. But mm-hmm. just looking at the soundtrack, man, yeah, there are a lot of good songs on that on that soundtrack for that movie. Oh yeah, I mean honestly, like a a lot of soundtracks are better than the movie. Honestly, like the movie would be trash, but the soundtrack would be banging. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I did just want to point out that like. It was definitely interesting to me that he was literally the only artist not from Death Row that was like able to get on that soundtrack, which is kind of cool. So I feel like even even early on, like just this first album, right, which uh-huh. is definitely rough around the edges, but even like literally from like the first song, he's always had his his talent and like his his percussionist style of fast rapping, right. And that's uh-huh. one thing I've definitely I guess I want to take a moment to point out and talk about. Um, He's always had, and he, I, he talked about this in a couple interviews I watched with him, and I feel like it's especially notable early on where his his style of rapping is very percussionist instrumental, where like the, the words he's using and like the, the consonant sounds and stuff like that, the flow that he's built it around is literally is like, it, the, it, it's hard to explain, but like the sounds match the beat. If that, if, you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? He, he rides the track, so yeah. and, and, and he uses his voice and the lyrics as an instrument. Along mm-hmm. with the, uh, along with the track, especially yeah. on especially on with questions, because you know I come from a long line of 
fast talking people. So I love speed rappers. I can understand it easily um, because I got people that family members that talk at that speed, like regular conversations. Like, like I'm used to that. Um, but uh, questions, though. I love that hook. But I, at one point I was like, is he saying words or is he just making noises? Because it's like, why? I'm just like, huh? So I had to kind of, you know, rewind it back a couple of times. It was pretty dope. I enjoyed it, though. Yeah, and I really like at the end of that where he, like, it has, like, the, the back and forth with him and QD3 as they're, like, trying to get it right. I just, mm-hmm. whenever people include those little bits in songs, I always enjoy that. I always um, love that. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, so I also included um, Mitchell Bade. And there was, I forget what the very, very, very first song was that I included in that playlist, but um, it's like Soul Searching or something, something like that. That yeah. and Mitchell Bade were the first two singles he had before he released. There was like two years, I think two, two to three years before he released um, the Calm Before the Storm, mm-hmm. um, which is why I kind of included not only the Mitchell Bade song but also that little intro bit where he's like playing live and like. Mm-hmm. The song or the fans already like know the song and are like singing the hook, which is something I thought was cool to have. I'm like your first debut studio album. You already have like live recording of people chanting your song. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah. So that was, that was the call me for the storm part one. And uh, that will come back later on. I think in like 20, I think it's 2017 or somewhere around there. So he released the storm, which was, he said the sequel follow up original, you know, finally came around to get into part two, I guess, even though the storm doesn't say part two, it's, it's kind of like the, the spiritual successor. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, so then his second album was produced entirely by Don Juan, who, as far as I can tell, was a just a local KCMO um, DJ, up-and-coming uh, underground kind of rapper, uh, producer mm-hmm. at the time. And he, okay. he, Don Juan worked with him on a, uh, several of the songs for the first two albums. And I want to say maybe one or two on the on the third, but... Uh, maybe not. And then he just like doesn't kind of disappears from text discography after that. Okay. Yeah, like I said, these these first two albums you can tell from the start, like at the gate, he has he has the skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 had the fast rap style since day one, but mm-hmm. outside of the times where he's just like absolutely talking so fast, like you said, it almost kind of you have to like really listen, and it almost sounds like gibberish. Mm-hmm. He does do, a, I feel like, a pretty good job. Even though he's rapping really fast, if you're still able to, he's, he's clear. You're able to understand most of what he's saying. You're able to catch it. Yeah. Now, one thing I, I did find um, uh, very interesting about his first couple albums, just kind of figuring out the whole Kansas City sound. Um, the first couple of songs I kept listening to, and I was like, this really takes me back to Easy E and like West Coast music. And when you brought back, you know, when you brought into the fact that him and uh, QD three and Tupac and Death Row, it's like a clear West Coast sound that he had. Even though he's representing the Midwest, is more West than Midwest initially. Yeah, because I had to kind of like, I mean, part of my ignorance, but I had to kind of pull up a map because I was just like, hold up, Cleveland, Kansas City, <laughs> like how far are they from each other? Because it kind of gave me that bone thugs and harmony mm-hmm. um, kind of sound without the harmony, and I was just trying to figure out like how that whole thing possibly kind of manifested but um i know bone does and harmony kind of went through easy e which is based in cali and it kind of cultivated that sound and it kind of made me think of that originally as well with the uh, tech nine um the first couple songs i was like this has a really strong west coast vibe which i love i love west coast music um but like yeah I, was kinda, well, I was i just i was trying to figure out what make kansas city like distinctive if there was a distinctive kansas city sound 
well, one thing I will say about, especially the first two albums, and then and kind of still on the on the third album too. Or really, honestly, the first like four albums, I would say. Um, it's it's hard to nail down like a specific subgenre or like you know a specific like East Coast West Coast type sound for him because mm-hmm. I mean I know I only in the playlist I only sent you like a couple songs from each album because again he has like you know twenty three albums studio albums and each album has like twenty plus songs on it yeah that's um, right. <laughs> he's he's got a quite large body of work mm-hmm. um, but he he jumps around from like like horrorcore rap to to, to you know, G funk rap to gangster rap to his more, I don't think he had it like labeled in his head, but definitely like, it's like the, the pre version of like his Midwest chopper style. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know for sure if that was already a thing at the time. I think, I feel like he kind of like pioneered that as like an Look, official sound. Yeah. He was like at least one of the pioneers of that official sound. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of pin him down in that, um, just because he does jump around and, and from from song to song on each of those albums, it's like, you know, he might have one that kind of like super like kind of rock heavy, like almost like I forget. I said horrorcore, but I feel like that's not the actual genre. So it's something horror, though. But he has a lot of like dark sounding, like mm-hmm. scary, ominous beats and, you know, stuff like that, um, yeah. which he definitely plays into going into his third album, Angelic, mm-hmm. um, which is where he really got a lot of people like the, the image he cultivated with the, the big red spiked hair. And, you know, he's talking about, he has songs. that's like kind of talking about religion and heaven and hell and all this stuff and about fighting demons and whatnot. And a lot of people just looked at that and just, you know, especially this is like 2001, whenever this mm-hmm. originally came out through JCOR, a lot of people looked at this album and was like, Oh, he's, some weird devil worshiper guy, you know, he's doing some weird, crazy out there music, you know, didn't even really give him a chance and like listen Mm -hmm. to it, just wrote him off immediately. Absolutely. Which he kind of corrects or or changes course a little bit in future albums, but I'll get there momentarily. But going back to the JCOR thing. So it was Angelic was originally released in 2001 through JCOR and pretty immediately, I think there were a lot of um, issues between um, which, sorry, back up a little bit. Uh, Strange Music was founded by Travis O'Gwen and Tech Nine uh-huh. um, in '99. So they had met sometime after the recording of Questions, or not Questions, sorry, The Worst. And then Travis O'Gwen is actually one of the executive producers along with QD3 on Angelic. Um, so then, whenever the album comes out, you know, there's a lot of issues with it being promoted and it apparently was not handled well according to Tech 9 and Travis, by JCOR. Uh-huh. So Travis really, really, according to interviews from with both Tech and Travis that I watched, he really fought like hell to both, you know, get them split off from JCOR so they could go start their own thing with Strange Music, but also so they could keep the rights to Angelic, which was, okay. which was really cool um, that they were able to do that because Tech 9, I mean, it wasn't just JCOR. There was a couple other studios that he was kind of tied up with at that point that he had worked with and produced music with. And so, like, they really had to go around to a few different places and, like, grease the wheel to get make sure they got a clean break from all this. But they did it. And, um, you know, that's they were able to go and, and start and, like, really start building strange music. Uh, I'll also say this, this album, Angelic, was, like, their kind of his first... Uh, taste of success it would eventually go on to like dwarf both those in sales would dwarf the previous two albums like combined 
It was also re-released in 2003 through Strange Music, as in they like put a special like title on it, like re. Uh, I don't. I didn't think to write it down. It was like reappropriated or something. Re something something. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they re-released, and I guess that makes sense because then they would be able to get all of the once they re-release it. I assume they would get all of the funds from that. Okay. Was it was it a re-release or a re-re-recording or anything like that? A re-release because they still had the rights to the record, so they okay. just I guess waited a couple of years and then they just like yeah I, I couldn't I, I did I was wondering that myself if they like tweaked anything or did anything different between the two and I couldn't tell any differences okay. couldn't see anything that pointed to that being the case so as far as I know no they just re-released it probably just to have it on their like catalog of stuff they've released I assume so they can get all the future funds from funds from that. Gotcha. So after that, um, kind of get into now what I would dub the strange music era, which is obviously the modern era. You're getting into the modern era of Tech Nine, you know. Strange. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely strange. So you know, now with with total control, but only themselves to blame. If if this whole thing went belly up, they you know really just uh, rolled up their sleeves and just got to work. In 2002, which was just you know a, a less than a year after they had released with JCOR the Angelic album, they released Absolute Power, um, which would feature future Strange Music signee Cut Calhoun, and uh, it would have the first showing of another OG Strange Music mate, Chris Calico. He had actually signed with them from the beginning, but I believe this was the first song or this was the first album that had him like featured that I could find. Um, he's actually listed uh, on this album as big Chris Calico. And then in future songs, they dropped the big, um, yeah, he's kind of, you'll, if you listen to tech nine, you'll see his name come up a lot. And even on songs where you don't see his name, if there's pretty much any tech nine song where there's some, if you notice a guy with like a silky smooth voice singing on like the hooks or whatever, that's almost always going to be Chris Calico. He's like, uh, what's the name? He's like, like his Nate dog. Yeah, like, he's, he, he like definitely started out as this hype man. He's had his own solo. I think he has like four or five solo albums. Um, could be wrong on that because obviously this episode is about Tech Nine, not Chris Calico. But he did, and he's he was a long time uh, strange music artist. And then I believe in twenty at the, near the end of twenty twenty one, I believe he him and his wife stepped away from strange music to open his own studio okay. or label. So. Okay. But, uh, you know, they're still, I'm sure they're still going to be collabing because they've been friends for like three decades plus yeah. now, seems like going on. Um, but yeah, so, I, you know, I talked about how they, they rolled up their sleeves. One thing that, and, and remember this, this will come up a couple times, especially near the end of the episode, but they tour, they're touring from what I could tell in interviews, both, both of them and of like other people talking about them. It's, their touring is just, it's, it's insane to some degree, like. Uh, Tech Nine and Travis are are machines mm-hmm. when it comes to this uh, touring lifestyle that they've kind of cultivated within Strange Music. They're, uh, I think it was the documentary documentary I watched, which was like from two thousand eight, and they talked about how like whenever they first started Strange Music, you know, again they, they didn't really have anyone to support them. Any success that they made or that they found, they were gonna have to go out and make themselves. So what they did is, if they were doing a show at a venue. They would show up early. They would make sure everything was set up right. They would do, you know, the amazing, always give 110% on the show no matter what. And then afterwards, they would stay after. They would help clean up. 
They would provide, you know, maybe food and water for like the the staff and stuff like that. They would go and like shake people's hands like personally and thank them for their time and for the opportunity. And they did that every single place they went to where it got to the point where they've now garnered a reputation in the industry as like, not only like from a, an audience point of view, amazing tours, right? They're, they're always putting on these huge shows where they're literally building these huge like wooden wall sets and they have people like surprise artists coming out of hidden doors and popping up out of the stage and pyrotechnics and all this just crazy off the, you know, off the wall stuff. Yeah, they're also going like behind the scenes and they're taking care of the venue and they're taking care of all the people that are there to help them put on that amazing show for the fans. And that just really speaks a lot to, I feel like, their character and is a testament to like how they've been able to become so successful because it definitely shows like they've they've put in the work and they realize like, you know, what what they needed to do to to go and succeed in, in what they were trying to accomplish, which they've said is their plan is to take over the world. Which is, which is, yeah. Um, so yeah. So then after um, after they re-released Angelic in 2003, which was which was after Absolute Power, Tech would go silent for a few years as far as like personal studio release albums, like the, you know where Tech Nine's official stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this time, Strange Music would sign C- Calhoun, who would go on to be like a longtime Strange Music artist. That was like one of their like key players. We're going towards with them all that stuff. Um, and released his first album in 2004 and tech has like i didn't think the count but it's probably at least like 70 percent of the writing credits on the songs and like features in at least half of them on this first album from cut calhoun so even though he didn't have like any of his own albums in this like couple year two three year time period he was definitely still in studio helping out his his music label mates you know get started Mm -hmm. then in 2006 he would finally release ever ready which is in my opinion, um, the first, like, there's definitely songs from these previous albums that I like, but this was, like, the first album I'm like, this is, like, I like this whole album. Like, I like, this is, like, the Tech 9 that This is where Tech 9 starts to get to, like, w- the Tech 9 that I know and, like, loved, like, whenever I first found them, right? Mm-hmm. This is where that style really starts to evolve um, or, or come out, I guess. And a lot of that is due to the producer Seven. I believe his real name is, like, Michael Summers. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, he goes by seven, like spelled out S E V E N. Um, he's been with tech on pretty much every single album since ever ready. And huh. not just like been like with tech on every album, like been the, had the majority of the production credits on every tech nine album, which is, which is kind of cool. Uh, that's definitely, I think, like I was saying, this is, I, I think seven and tech nine is them, them coming together is what, in my opinion, is what creates the, like I said, the tech nine sound that like is, 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 is it starts the modern tech nine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of gave him his signature. Um, yeah. Cause also in, in between this time, he, he had cut the hair um, largely in part because like the red dye and the spikes and everything was literally making his hair fall out. And so, like, a lot of fans that were, like, you know, fans of that image at first were like, oh, man, you're selling out, blah, 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 blah. You know, you're just going, you're just getting rid of the look. And he's like, no, man, like, I'm still me. My hair is literally falling out. I got to get rid of it. He had to, like, start all over. Um, 
And I actually, I, I couldn't like find anything that verified this, but if you know, like nowadays he goes bald. And I think that's because of the spikes mm-hmm. that he wore for like nearly a decade. Mm-hmm. I think that just had like long lasting effects on his hair. Cause he, uh, he did talk about a few places where it was like thinning, like a couple years after that, I saw in interviews he was talking about it. So he's, he's actually went in a, in a couple interviews. He's like tried to warn some of these younger rappers that are like dying their hair, bright colors and everything. Be like, it looks good, but just be careful. <laughs> you don't want to lose your hair like I almost did, right? Um, well, yeah. Okay, so back back to Ever Ready. Just a, a, a few cool little notes about it. Um, Twista and Eminem were both supposed to feature on a couple of songs from this album. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this was right around the time that Eminem's friend Proof passed away. Yeah, and because of complications to that, obviously he was he was not able to. to be part of that. Um, and for Twista's verse, he, for some reason, was late in getting it to Strange Music, his, his verse. Um, so they weren't able to master it like into the album. Like They could have done it, but they said it would have delayed the album and they didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So again, just them sticking to their professionalism and being like, no, this is when we're releasing it. We'll get it next time. And Tech, I don't know. I couldn't find anything if, if he's used that verse in it because he, he's had a few songs with like Twisted Verses since then. Mm-hmm. But apparently he said that he still has that verse and he wants to use it in something. Like after it already came out, he talked about it, how he still has it sitting around somewhere. So okay. it could be one of the Twisted Verses he's used. Could not be. Who knows? Not too sure, but <laughs> Twisted knows. Tech Nine, right. that's probably about it. <laughs> so yeah ever ready was his first album to go gold and went officially gold in 2020 with his first single to go gold and eventually platinum uh caribou Lou went gold in 2012 and then platinum in 2017 which again caribou Lou is that definitely that song that kind of got me hooked and introduced me to tech nine man just like looking at ever ready like just eh, man i miss the days when albums had like 20 songs and that was like the norm like it, nowadays, like, yeah. like people will call like an album like six songs and like, oh yeah, this is a whole album. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> That's an EP. It it is it is really nice. I will say, um, it was challenging. <laughs> listen, <laughs> to, listen to this entire discography uh, for this episode. <laughs> but no, I do definitely agree with you. Just in general, like it's 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 a testament to him that he's able to literally every album have twenty songs of eh, in general all pretty good quality you know mm-hmm. there might be one or two that you, you may or may not may or may not necessarily like as much or whatever but yeah there's there's i don't feel like there's any that are just like straight up trash no that no. he means like they're all pretty consistent with you yeah know, the usual there's some standouts here and there yeah absolutely and because he's like all over the place genre wise there's mm-hmm. something for every mood like if you're feeling you know you know, hype, or if you're feeling kind of sultry, or if you're feeling kind of like in your head about something, he has something for every situation. So I appreciate yeah. that. And I also say this is definitely the album. I, I think you get kind of there's like there's maybe a handful of songs from the previous albums here and there, but this mm-hmm. is like the first album where it's like kind of apparent throughout how heavily he's been influenced by rock music. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like very heavy like. I know it includes in the playlist with like Riot Maker. Um, the one I did include in playlists is like the Beast. Those are like very like like drum heavy, uh, just like rock and roll sound beats that he's like just tearing up on the mic over top of it. Um, which speaking of the Beast, that would actually be gold. That would go gold as well um, in 2020. And yeah, just like I said, this was definitely in my opinion like 
he, he got rid of the spikes and he has he has this more rock focused sounds it's not all rock focused but it's definitely like a little bit like i said more apparent throughout and he's working with seven so this is definitely the the birth of modern tech nine and then like right after that the same year actually he drops mlk or misery loves company which okay. was his first clapos album I included, I think, two songs from this album on the playlist, and I didn't include any from the other. There's like three other collabo albums, just because there's there's some really good songs on on all of the albums. I'm gonna be wrong, but all the collabos albums are. It's basically the way I look at it is just a giant strange music showcase because mm-hmm. he might have like a short verse, but then like on most of the songs is like the other strange music artists and featured people coming in and just like giving them a chance to kill the track, right? Yeah, really cool stuff. Would recommend maybe checking out in your free time, but. I already had so many songs I had to find somewhere to cut and I decided to cut those. But this is where, and I want to kind of discuss this with you, the song that I had you listen to, uh, Message to a Black Man. Because he talks about this in in the, the 2008 documentary. And something I noticed like in, because there's like several different interviews that, you know, showing him stuff. Anytime it shows him at like a live show, the fans... This is just like, you know, scanning over in the video or whatever. But the scan, the, the fans seem predominantly white. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about how in, in the documentary that was right before his album Killer, which we've not got quite got there yet, but uh, it was right before that album came out. And he talks about how he was really hoping that like that album would kind of bring his people, as he said, you know, like mm-hmm. talking about skin color, my people bring mm-hmm. more of my people to my shows. And he also talks about he thinks that a lot of the like you said, because he had the the crazy red hair spiked image and the kind of like devil worshiper, like just on the surface, you know, as you look at him, that's what you might think. He, mm-hmm. he thinks that that turned off a lot of people from his own community and they didn't really give him a chance. One thousand percent. Because like, here's the thing. Like I said, I vaguely remember Tech Nine here and there popping up. But when I see spike hair, red hair specifically on a black dude, like, oh, OK, that ain't for me. So at the time, at least that's how I felt. You know, you growing up with R and B and hip hop, anything other outside of that, especially around that time, we weren't fucking with that. Like that was some other craziness. Like you go do that, you do that best over there. You go party with them white folks. That was, that's that's what you what you go do. Um, but in hindsight, that was completely ignorant because like the music and stuff was you know the talent was there, but it's just the aesthetics of it all. It was not inviting to say the least. It was just one of those things where it's kind of like. Even if you were like, uh, how can I put it? With me being culturally like raised in religion, I'm no longer that way. But you know, just seeing anything like that was just like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> like <laughs> that ain't for me, fam. Like you go do you, uh, nah, <laughs> that ain't for me. Yeah, he actually raps about that in some songs where he's like talking about how he has like juggalettes, yeah. bubble butts at his shows and stuff like that, and like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, he's he's such a, a true artist that he, he really does, you know, he, he wants to be accepted by black people and like, you know, his community, obviously. And he mm-hmm. talks about how that like, you know, he doesn't really like say out directly, but you can tell that like that kind of sits heavy on him. Like mm-hmm. this earlier in the year. I feel like in recent times, as he's gotten kind of bigger, um yeah. he's gotten definitely more accepted. Um oh, yeah. especially since he's he's shifted in the last two decades away from that aesthetic of, of devil worshiping and all that stuff has kind of helped him break away from that yeah yeah for sure and i just think like again just the optics of it all was bad the music and the talent has always been there since day one but it's just when you package it in that way 
and that kind of turns off a subset of black people and then also increases you know another fan base of people so you know it's like if i got a choice to go see Ludacris or marilyn manson i'm gonna go holler at Ludacris, not marilyn manson <laughs> you know what i mean so you yeah. know it's so so you gotta have to you know uh pick pick your pick your battles you know around that time at least in the early you know 2000s or whatever now things are the lines are blurred where everybody's collaborating and doing stuff with everybody you know but at that time, it was like, you know, you stick in this group and then, you know, you party with that group and you may reach out every now and then. But if you start doing some crazy stuff like devil worshiping and dyeing your hair red and, you know, blood everywhere. Like, OK, now nah, you go do that over there. <laughs> so at the time, at least, like I said, the talent has always been there. It's just the packaging was a little off. I will say, I think that's probably why, like growing up. Like as I was like getting into tech and, and rap music again and all that, why I didn't really listen to like Ever Ready was like kind of the earliest. I feel like I listened. Like I, there might have been like one or two songs from the other stuff, but I didn't really go back and listen to it. I think because, like you said, you know, I grew up in religion and everything, and just seeing that as an image probably would have. I don't have like an exact memory of doing it, but I, if I did come across it, I'd probably been like, eh, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like or, yeah, like you said, I probably just would have writ, writ it off without giving it a chance. Exactly. But you know, again. um, he, he does seem to have finally in recent times, at least more so come into his own. I still don't think like he's a name brand or like a, a household name. You know, I don't think he definitely seems more like a rapper's rapper. If that makes any sense. That is. Yes. That's exactly how I would put it. He's definitely yeah. a rapper's rapper. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, okay. So getting back to the discography after ever ready, he has a period, uh, he has, three or four albums that come out. I, I call this the silly phase. Um, not because it's nothing but silly songs, but there, this is where the albums where he does kind of experiment and do some silly songs. Like, like the Ariola song. I know I included that one for you. Yeah. Ariola. Um, <laughs> which is a surprisingly like catchy song. that will get stuck in your head without you, without you realizing it. Oh, yeah. Um, like some other songs like the waitress where he's like talking about how he's like hitting on a waitress while he's out with his wife or whatever. Um, and just like, just crazy stuff like that. Like he does still have a lot of typical tech nine, you know, fast hard hitting rhymes and, and raps and whatnot. But there's also just a lot more of that than what had been previously. So yeah, like I said, I dubbed this kind of the silly face from 2008 uh, to 2011. I do still really like a lot of the serious stuff. I think I tried to include some of my favorites for the playlist for you um, mm-hmm. from that those those few albums. But yeah, not not too much of like note. I mean, he was he was doing his thing. He was sales wise, were all about the same. You know, it wasn't really exploding, but it wasn't like falling off either. Mm-hmm. He was just in there in the studio doing his thing, pumping out work, mm-hmm. like he has been for thirty years. Right, um, <laughs> just vibing. Just vibing. Then comes 2011 with all sixes and sevens. And if Ever Ready was like the birth of modern tech, I feel like this album was definitely like the cementing of modern tech. Mm-hmm. Um, he has Worldwide Choppers, like one. Mm-hmm. Really, I feel like, you know, everyone knew before how fast and how skillful tech could rap. But this was like, kind of like gave him, you know, th- like... Here's your award, buddy. You've, <laughs> you've really showcased it. And not only did you showcase it, but you also brought in a bunch of other people to showcase it. Okay, so I'm going to pause you right there. We need to spend a moment and give Worldwide Choppers the respect that song deserves. This man literally got the whole world of speed rappers. He got rappers from Denmark, Turkey, Turkey uh, 
I mean, Yellow Wolf representing Bama, you know, Twister, Buster Rhymes. He he got uh what's the name? Um a dude from Cali twisted and saying to finish out the track. I mean, he got rappers from all over the world to spit these bars at lightning speed. Mm-hmm. That is phenomenal. And to have all of them collaborate and like dude from London like going in on some stuff, like people not even rapping in like English, but murdering it. Well, I don't know what language that was, but oh my God, he killed it. But yeah, man, like th- this album, Worldwide Choppers especially, is a, is a great showcase of like, like if you were just going to pick one song from this album, Worldwide Choppers would probably be the one, but there's just so many good songs on this album. This is really the first album that he has just a host of really big name. This is the first time he has Twista. He has Lil Wayne. He has B.O.B. I think he has T-Pain on a song. Like, you know, he had kind of here and there, maybe he might have like one good feature before this, but like, like on an album or whatever, he might have featured with other people before this, but this is the first time like on his own album mm-hmm. throughout it. And not just one or two, but like a good half or more of the songs have like big name people that he's featuring with or whatever. Well, I was going to say, which would definitely just go on to become like a trend with his, his own studio albums that were like the, the collabos or, or collaboration albums or anything like that. Kind of trend going forward that we'll see a lot. Absolutely, because I will say, like, of of the songs you you know gave me on the playlist to listen to, this album had the most songs I actually liked. So yeah. like, like he's a mental giant, phenomenal. He's World, a mental giant. giant. Uh, <laughs> Worldwide choppers, of course, phenomenal. Uh, I love music. I played that on repeat. I love that dun, song. Dun, dun, dun. Love, oh man, love that one. Um, T Pain murdered fuck food. Like, yeah, dude, that. that- it honestly took me a second because, again, this is one of those songs where he doesn't put who's featuring on it, mm-hmm. like in the title. You just mm-hmm. have to be listening and know, like, oh, that's so-and-so. And it actually mm-hmm. took me – I've heard this song so many years, but it took me literally as I was, like, just going through the Wikipedia, like, track list, discography stuff just for, like, my notes or whatever. And I saw – because on, on Wikipedia, of course, it has who all featured on the song. And I was like, wait, of course, T-Pain's the auto-tune – part mm-hmm. of that it just blew my mind that like it took me so long to realize that but again it's if, if i don't see the name i'm not gonna i guess i don't always make the connection oh yeah oh yeah but that album yeah sixes and seven was fire and then um mom and them that song right there i like that song yeah this this is probably also my favorite album just from top to bottom like you said i mean i, I don't really think there's a song on here i don't like um, or that I don't like, like really get into as I'm listening to it. Like it's just, this is, it's a great album. Lots of, again, different interesting features to listen to. Uh, just really, really strong. I think this is really, like I said, this is where the modern Tech Nine that we, that I know and love now, that you can point to today. This is where it got cemented and, and kind of like finalized that that form. It's his final form, so to speak. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, something else was the next released album after. Um, all sixes and sevens. This was the one that had the the strange with the doors, and it's definitely got some good songs on there. Um, <clears throat> would recommend it. But again, this is one of the songs for like, or one of that one of the albums rather that something really like of note, like story wise and text life, or, or of making the album. It's just it's a good album. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of the doors, which we talked about in a previous episode, so I don't want to go too deep into that. Um, the song he did with the doors is not really anything super like noteworthy about it. Mm-hmm. Beyond it just being a solid album, you know, it's a good follow up to all six of the sevens, but not not quite as strong. 
Well, I, I will say on this album, this was the album that this was probably the first full length Tech Nine album I listened to. Um, oh, okay. I was kind of just mm-hmm, like independently, like long before the podcast, whatever. Because I was like, okay, I've seen Tech Nine, but I never really listened to his stuff. And this came out, you know, twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. And I was like, you know what? Let me let me get your Tech Nine to listen. And this is when I was like, whoa. Where have I been? <laughs> so so this is when I kind of like, okay, let me kind of go back and try to catch up on some stuff here and there. But this is the first full-length album. And I think what got me was I recognized some of the guest appearances. And I'm kind of one of those people where I should be more lenient. But, you know, when I see uh, an artist and they collaborate with people I know or or have been familiar with, like I'm more curious to check out the album. So, oh, yeah. uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, and he had, he had a lot of guest spots on this album. Like, this is the album I think he had a lot more mainstream or notable people. Like, CeeLo Green is on here. Big Crate is on here. Um, the Game, uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, um, Serge Tankian. And that's the one that really got me. Was like, okay. Serge Tankian, yeah. Yes, yes. I was like, I recognize Serge Tankian. I was like, Tech Nine. I was like, Tech Nine's a rapper, right? So I was yeah, like, <laughs> so you I gotta, gotta hear that song. Down with that system of a down, bro. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So and like, I was like, okay, search tank in and tech nine. Okay, I gotta hear this song straight out the gate. I will say this, listener. Uh, finish this episode first. But when you get through listening to this episode, straight out the gate and worldwide choppers are your two must listen to songs from Tech Nine. You you if you don't like Tech Nine after this. I don't like something is wrong with you, but like just those two songs alone was like, whoa, this dude is a beast. Yeah. Like lyrically, creatively, just wow. And yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to talk a little bit. Well, I guess I'll go and bring it up now just because you brought it up. But yeah, his, his, his work with um, different like rock artists in general, um, like Corey Taylor is another one from Slipknot, another one of note that he's made a song with. Oh, oh, hold up, hold up. Okay. So that, that song Wither. Wither with Corey Taylor. That's him singing from Slipknot, I believe. Okay, okay. I had no idea who Corey Taylor was. I, yeah, just, I, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. Slipknot, but I didn't know. Who yeah, that, so okay. he's, yeah, he's the singer from Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's dope. Yeah, that's so good. again, you know, just those, well, the one with Serge Tankian was on this album. I, I think the Wither was like a, two albums later mm-hmm. or so. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, just again, his, you know, rock influence um his his love of rock music i feel like and how he incorporates not just those sounds but also those artists it's just like man that's so cool to me like it's definitely i could see a lot of people who aren't traditional hip-hop fans seeing oh i'm a huge system of a down fan what is this song with search tanking and tech nine what is this and like checking it out and like that is like such an easy gateway to like, oh, now I'm a Tech Nine fan. Like I could see that transition happening like constantly, right? Just oh yeah, so it makes sense just with how Tech Nine sounds and everything. Oh yeah, um, pretty cool. But yeah, definitely something else was a was a, a strong follow up to um, all six and sevens, like you said, kind of continued having big name uh, artists featured. Definitely kept that trend going, and, and you know, did a pretty good job knocking another album out of the park right after he had basically just done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after that, um, the next album in 2015 was Special Effects. And this one was pretty important to him. He dedicated it to his mom, who had passed away, I think, the year prior. She had had lupus and epilepsy and uh, 
slew of other mental disorders and stuff pretty much since he was like a toddler, like two or three years old that she'd been battling. Like, I think I include some of those, like, um, it was like, it was a couple of interludes. And then, um, one thing about tech nine that I noticed, like, especially like continuing, like from the beginning all the way up until this point with special effects, he is very autobiographical when it comes to his rap, his rap from the beginning. Yeah. From the beginning, he's not been afraid to rap about like, Real life in a, in a real way, not like hyping it up and, and dramatizing it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel about it. Type stuff that's relatable. I feel like in a lot, of, especially whenever he's talking about his mom and the, and oh, the yeah. specific songs where he does. He was she was also a single mother. I'm just gonna talk to her a little bit, just because uh, she was a pretty pretty big influence. Like again, he talks about her and her battle with the diseases that she had in several of his songs, and I think you can just tell in general like she was just a huge influence um on him and his music uh but she was a single mother had him at 16 you know basically just you know was able to to support him uh give him everything i think he has one song i don't remember if this was the song i included in the place or not but he has one song that's like specifically kind of like his it's like a story of him growing up and like being a kid and stuff and he talks about how like she would got him like she got him a big wheel as like a kid yeah and like the in the projects and that was like something you didn't see in the projects was like a big wheel but like you know a young single mother and she worked and made it happen to get him what what he wanted yeah so, i like, think that this, was on i think that was on mama them like, like he was talking about might that have been. Well. yeah there's i there's, those all kind of run together in my head um unless <laughs> i'm like listening to them in the moment but um <laughs> yeah so she was she was pretty big um and he, he dedicated this album special effects to to her and this in my opinion might be i mean i guess you it's, it's debatable definitely argue on one album or the other but i feel like this is like up to up to this point has his biggest features to date i could mm. be wrong um maybe i need to go back and like look at all this compare all of them but um so yeah so that was special effects again dedicated to his mom another just really knocked it out of the park album i feel like there's not really any song that i can think of on there that just like i could do without like they're all pretty great mm-hmm. um so then he has uh, i'm just gonna kind of gloss over the next few albums because again they're kind of all grouped together in my head there's there's definitely some a few standout songs but overall they're just uh he's, he's in there again doing his thing mm-hmm. cooking up in the lab making his standard tech nine crazy flow beats and songs and stuff mm-hmm. um so yeah, after special effects came planet then nina spelled in nine in a um, this one kind of stands out for the lack of seven produced beats. Only six of the 21 songs were produced by seven on this one. Interesting. Got a little bit. Uh, that was just interesting for me. Uh, I wanted to point that out. Then Interfere. And then his most recent studio album, which was Asinine. I think that came out in like 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, so... Asinine was just like, again, chock full of featured artists. I'm blanking on the title, but the one that he has with Lil Wayne might be, like, it's probably like one of my favorite Lil Wayne verses of all time. That one, oh my God. Yo, that song, Too Good? Yeah, Too Good, thank you. It's literally, I'm a huge Lil Wayne fan, have been, like, I'll I'll admit Lil Wayne was like, right after I was like listening to Tech 9 early on in like middle school and like getting back into, like getting into rap, Uh Lil Wayne was like, I think the Carter 3 came out. And like that was just from, from since then I've been a huge fan of him, right? Again, this was probably this is top three, I think, versus from Little Wayne I've ever oh, heard. No doubt, if, no doubt. If not number like one or two, like man, yeah, it's so good. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. So 
you gave me three songs off this album to listen to, and coincidentally, all three of them are back to back on a playlist uh, on the on the actual album track list, and they are phenomenal. Again, yep. if you're gonna listen to Asinine, you gotta listen to tracks three, five. Excuse me, uh, you gotta listen to tracks four, five, and six. Too good with um, Lil Wayne and Moo Moo Fresh. That song. Mm. If you ain't a hip hop head and you ain't feeling that song right there, again, something that's wrong with you. It ain't that wrong with Tech Nine or us for recommending it. That song is yeah. so. Good. Oh my god, dude! It's yeah, so it phenomenal. And no CMs, love it, love it. Snow the product. Snow the product kills it. Russ comes in, and does his thing. People are sleeping on Snow the product. They're like man, I, honestly, like I've she heard this song. So it wasn't hard. until it wasn't until I went back and was listening to it, like kind of over and over again for this episode. That yeah, mm-hmm. man, I've not, I've, I've been sleeping on her. I've, right. I've been, I'm gonna make it a point now that I'm, I'm done with. Vengeance Tech, nothing but Tech Nine for three weeks. I'm gonna make hey. it a point to go and kind of find some of her stuff and, and give her. You're gonna have to. You gotta, Man, you she brought it in that song, bro. I mean, every song, every song she, she appeared on with Tech, she goes hard, if not harder than Tech. So again, Snow the product, big shouts out to her. Like she's killing the game. And on Face Off, we got to talk about the illest rapper of the game right now. Oh, the way motherfucking Johnson. Bro, he <laughs> the couldn't way even get through a single <laughs> verse without promoting his tequila, man. Come on. <laughs> so so I, I saw the I saw the track come up and I was like, okay. And I just saw Dwayne. I'm like, okay, who's this random Dwayne dude? And then I and like after about the third time I listened to it, I was like, is that is that the is that the damn rock? That's what? the rock. Yeah. That's the rock. And like so, I was I was so bad about this. <laughs> interesting, interesting fun facts about so on this album, the only song that uh, the longtime collaborator producer Seven has is Face mm-hmm. Off. It's the only production oh. credit he has on the entire album. Wow. Which is interesting. Um I, I definitely feel like this album as a whole, I don't know if you've listened to other songs from this album just because it's kind of more recent, like outside of the of the playlist I sent you just in the past or not, but mm-hmm. As a whole, I feel like this album, in in general, the sound definitely like was shifted. It had a a, a newer sound because a lot of these, like a lot of the problem with why I say like these albums kind of run together is they start to sound like beat and production wise kind of mm-hmm. samey. Mm-hmm. And I tried to include, like I said, the few standouts that like really were my personal favorites. And and there's of course several others that just because of time and how many songs I already had, I had to cut, but. I mean, well, I mean, we, we don't have time to do a uh, forty-five hour podcast. Listen to every song. Man, maybe one detail. day. <laughs> maybe one day. Um, but yeah, That's just, awesome. just uh, again going back. Just one last point on the uh, production thing. I do think because uh, the sound with him and Seven that they've kind of crafted over the years has has been so consistent. I guess is one way to put it. Uh-huh. I think that plays a part in why a lot of his most loved verses are whenever he's featuring with other people on other people's tracks that have been produced by, uh, you know, a variety of producers and artists and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, could be wrong in that. That's kind of what I'm, I'm leaning towards might be. It, I think it at least plays a part for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And actually kind of, um, I kind of t- took some notes on that as well. Cause like um, in, in addition to this, uh, playlist we had a playlist of um him doing features guest spots on other people's records and i think that's when tech nine shines the most um either when he's collaborating with people on his own projects or if he's guest spotting on somebody else's because 
there's like a sense of competition, and you, and you can tell that like even after thirty something years, he still has that hunger to be oh, the yeah. best no matter what, and and that's something good to hear. And then also, mm-hmm. also the the um, the juxtaposition between his rapping style and the other styles, and how he can bob and weave into dude any kind yeah. of genre, any kind of artist, he can just join in and just like body it regardless. And I so, love that. First of all, perfect segue because literally I was about to dive into talking about the the features that he's he's been a part of, both you know having or or uh, being on. Um, but yeah, like you said earlier, dude, he's he's a rapper's rapper to the point where pretty much everyone that he's ever worked with and collaborated with on a song has nothing but like huge respect and like mad props to give the guy. Um, and again, like like we were just talking about. Um, I'm like R.A. the Rugged Man or or something like that. Um, he's a white rapper that honestly I hadn't heard of before I started researching this. Um, he's actually not bad, at least in this song that he has with Tech Nine and Chris Calico. But uh, he was talking about in an interview, he was getting called out for fans who were saying like, "Oh man, you 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 don't have that fast flow. You can't come with it like that." And so he was like, "No, I can." I can totally come with that fast flow. It's just not my typical style. So he was thinking, he's like, who can I get to like help me demonstrate that? And of course, Tech Nine. So he like, I guess he had already knew Tech Nine beforehand or whatever, but he called Tech Nine. I was like, hey man, people are saying I can't rap fast. I want to do this like super fast song. And what Tech Nine said was, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. In fact, what I'm going to do is, is on my verse, I'm going to rap slow. I'll, I'll, I'll break down and like go at a slower pace so that whenever you come in after me and you just kill it, it really highlights, it like highlights how you're able to. So like on the one so, hand he does come in and like, just because I think if, if you're an artist and like you look at tech nine, he's just like Eminem talked about in an interview. He's just so proficient, you know, he's, he's literally crafting every single syllable of every single line, like perfectly. Um, and if you're if you're an artist, you you have to respect that, right? And you have to like know like he's gonna bring it because that's just what Tech Nine does. He puts in the work 150 percent every hour, every day that he's working. Absolutely. He is trying to do to upcoming rappers like today what he wished people would have done for him. As yeah. the vibe that I definitely get. Because um, yeah. like a couple of the 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 songs I included in that featured playlist that I sent you um, like NF and token in specific. Um, I watched an interview where there were uh, the interviewers with token where the interviewer was asking like, how did that, you know, you and tech nine, how'd that come to happen? And he said he was literally, he just got a phone call from a random number. He didn't know one day normal. He wouldn't answer it, but he's like, Oh, I'll see who it is. And so he answers the phone and all he hears is murderer. He was like, <laughs> what? Who, do, who is this? What? And he's like, it's Tech Nine. <laughs> and so they just like went from there. And, um, you know, like called him out. Uh, I think called him out to like his, it's a, or maybe while he was like touring, a token was touring, like stop by. Or, they met in person a few times and he talked about mm-hmm. how like they spent like just hours, just like one on one talking on the tour bus, like just tech, just giving him advice and talking about how like, you know, because again, tech tours a lot. Yeah. strange music in general tours a lot um and so yeah just like giving advice on like just how to be successful and like how he's managed to be successful in the industry which again is just like really cool that he's kind of like giving back to up-and-coming artists which i love yeah. to see you know you yeah. love to see that camaraderie in the in the 
industry. Yeah, especially with a veteran like him. You know, he's been in the game for yeah for so long. He's he's definitely an OG. Like he knows yeah. what what works and what doesn't. Like what you need to do to be successful for the most Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, man, just uh, that's that's pretty much. I mean, I, there's so many other songs so I could really, if I wanted to, we could have like got down in the nitty gritty. But you know, he's still he's still in the lab today, cooking up stuff. He just, like I said earlier, he came out with a, a single recently. He's had a few singles that are coming out of as of recording this. His somewhat soon to be released LP titled Bliss. Okay. Um, and that same like post music video after party YouTube thing he did, uh-huh. uh, he talked about how that album is or that LP I guess is is done like he's done recording for it. It's in the mastering stages, so potentially by the time this episode airs, that might be out already, which will be pretty cool because again I'm a huge fan and more tech is is awesome. Um, but yeah, even though you know he's been in this industry for so long, like you listen to him in interviews and you may not think it because he has this super fast, almost aggressive you know, in your face style, most of his songs, but he's actually a very soft-spoken, humble, down the earth dude. He, he talks, you know, manually. One thing he has a, the only time he does this type of, of word use is whenever he's talking about, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes he'll go, you know what I'm sizzling? <laughs> I considered saying that, like just sprinkling that throughout the episode, just to see your eyebrow kind of quirk up a little bit, but I decided not to. Um, <laughs> Maybe I should. I would have been funny, but <laughs> but yeah, man. He still has things to say. Uh, he's still very much, like you said, autobiographical, and a ton of his songs, and of his music, is still true to life and relatable and, and connectable, and uh, in a way that you know a lot of artists maybe don't dig deep enough into themselves to, to pull that stuff out all the time. So it's always nice to see. And yeah, man. I'm just in general excited to see what what all heights he's gonna because it seems like his over his career his trajectory is nothing but up right so i'm excited to see how high is he gonna go man what all else is he gonna accomplish who else is he gonna get to work with who else is he gonna like pull up into the spotlight and like introduce me to you know because i'll go ahead and tell you nf and um there's a few others that i had not heard of until i'd like heard them on tech nine and then that forced me to like go and listen to them like Mm -hmm. a little bit more so I kind of skipped over it, but there was a one song, Dr. Sabah with Land and yeah. Fire. Yeah. Just just real quick before I finish closing, I just want to talk about that because that kid was 13 on okay. so, the recording of that. So that's what I kind of figured because I was listening to the lyrics and I was like, okay, I know there's a reason for it, like how he how he did the song. And then I was listening to Landon's uh, lyrics and I was like, is this a kid? And, and Jack yeah. is talking about how he's old and people think he's, you know, like getting like Botox to stay young, and then he has this kid that's like chopping it up and killing it. Like, and I'm just yeah, man. That was and that he was, was only phenomenal. 13, so like I'm really excited to see. Like, I think he's featured in a couple, uh, he featured on a couple songs from that album, I know, with Tech mm-hmm. Nine, but I don't know if he's like done anything else since then. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I'm just again, I'm just super excited to see, uh, what's next for Tech, man, after you know, we got this LP coming out and then. What all can he accomplish? I'm excited for it. Yep, I'm excited for Bliss. And you know what's going to give me some bliss? Is if you hit the subscribe button and hit oh, the yeah. like button. <laughs> share that. <laughs> and share, share all that. that. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe tag tech in it, you know. Yeah, Let him know that, you know, we, we, we appreciate his artwork. And, you know, his career has not gone unnoticed. And we like to, 
you know, do these deep dives mainly for, you know, our own curiosities and also exposure as well to, you know, let people know there's, yeah, there's a lot of noise out there, but, you know, there's some good people that are still, you know, in the game, have been in the game that you may not even know. Um, So I definitely, definitely agree with that. So anywho, uh, thanks for the rundown on tech. I feel like even though listening through his music, I feel like I kind of understood his life story going in chronological order from his, you know, beginning songs to, the most the more recent you know but mm-hmm. at the same time uh thanks for doing a thorough breakdown of you know his discography and and you know go, go going into the weeds you guys will be able to see on the uh the song like notes or list that we'll, we'll post with the episode but there's quite a lot quite a yeah. lot of songs between between the, the discography journey and the big list of, of featured both songs he's featured on and songs he had or you know songs where he's had people feature on his songs uh it's quite a big it, list I, had, I, I tried to be thorough without completely overdoing it I, I think i maybe overdid it just a little bit but we had the extra time so yeah in between yeah, episodes yeah yeah it was it, it was worth it so anyway thanks for listening to the show don't forget to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at AfterListenPod. And you can visit us on our official website, AfterListenPod.com, for links and previous episodes. Keep listening. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye. Keep sizzling. Keep sizzling. That's it. <laughs>